All right, so we've got this passage, whole chapter, 1 Kings 21. We've read it, and uh, there's a lot in it. It's, it's a long chapter, but it's all one story, right? You've got Naboth, his vineyard that's right by the uh, palace. You've got Ahab, who lives in the palace, and... He likes to garden. And you've got Jezebel, his wife, who wants to make him happy. So what's the problem? This story could have been over, not even recorded, you know. Ahab says, hey Naboth, can I buy your vineyard? And Naboth says, sure, king. And that's the end of it. It's not what happened, is it? It's not what happened at all. There's a lot for us to learn from this chapter. And I want to do something a little bit different today. I want to ask you guys... If you, were to, if you were to summarize and shorten just, just one lesson, one takeaway that you see in this chapter, what would it be? This is the struggle that I go through every week as I read the passage, you know, so I'll give you a little taste of the work of preparing. And, and it's actually very helpful because as you read the Bible, You should get something from it. It should feed you. It should convict you. You should learn lessons from it. It shouldn't just be this thing that you that you read and then and then you think, huh, and then you move on. Right? There there should be something that you get from it. So I'm gonna give you some time to think about it as I remind you of the story and the characters, okay? So it helps sometimes if you're reading something to think about the characters and what they've done and and think good or bad. That'll help you give some lessons that maybe you could draw. And then everybody better be thinking about it because I'm not going to ask for hands. I'm just going to point to somebody. So you better be, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask for hands. But maybe I'll just point at you. I don't know. Okay, so we've got the first person that's mentioned is Naboth. Naboth is the one who owns the vineyard. And you remember the story, we've already read it. He's got this vineyard, and it's right beside the palace of Ahab. Ahab wants it. Naboth says no. As a matter of fact, let me read what he says. The Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Okay. Ahab pouts. I told you last time we studied Ahab that he was a powder. We'd see more of it. And here it is. Ahab goes into his house sullen and vexed because he wouldn't. And he, then he stops eating. He won't eat. And he lies down on his bed. Then the next character comes in, Jezebel. And Jezebel is disgusted with her husband. Are you king 
or what? If you want something, take it. You're the king. Okay. We've got three of the main characters already. You know she then sets up to have Naboth murdered. You've got other characters that come in in that process. Who are the other characters that that have to do with the murder kids? Is Jezebel the one who murders? No, who does? Yeah? The people of the city. Who else is involved in that? Yeah. Worthless men. Yeah, you've got the worthless men, and the worthless men make the accusation, the false accusation, right? Who else is involved? That's right, the elders and the leaders of the city. Everybody's involved in this, aren't they? Okay, so we've got a lot of characters that come in for the murder. Elders and nobles. And they're the ones who make it happen, right? They're the ones who find the worthless men to make the accusation. Then they're the ones who lead in the stoning. And then we have the final character come in, right? Who's the final character? Yes. Elijah. Is Elijah the final character, or was I tricking you? There's one more. Who didn't we talk about yet? Yeah. God comes in, doesn't he? So Elijah comes representing God and speaking the word of God to Ahab. And Elijah speaks God's judgment onto Ahab and onto Jezebel. And then at the end, what happens? At the very end, Ahab, does he pout? At the judgment? Last time we saw him, he pouted at the judgment that was given against him. The judgment that was given against him last time we heard about him was when he saved and spared and did not execute the king of Aram. And God says, it'll be your life for his. And Ahab pouts. But this time, Ahab tore his clothes, verse 27, and put on sackcloth and fasted. And he lay in sackcloth and went about despondently. And God has mercy and says he will delay the punishment that he has promised on Ahab. Okay, so we've, we've re Hurst, the story. Which character do you have a lesson from? So many good lessons in this. I just 
Anybody want to volunteer? Oh, surely somebody thought of something that whole time we were rehearsing. This isn't just for kids. Maybe I should maybe I should pick a character. Jezebel. Yes. You want to do a different one? Okay, Jezebel. Smart? Being smart and helpful is not enough. You have to also not be an evil witch. <laughs> right? Okay? It's a good lesson. Hey, it's an important lesson because it's easy for us to think, well, you know, I'm smart. I'm getting things done. And to not pay attention to holiness. Right? Okay. Any other lessons about Jezebel? You have a different lesson? Go ahead. Ahab, okay. That you should repent. Absolutely. Amen. Uh, yes, in the back. Who? Ahab, okay. Pouting leads to what? Bad things. Absolutely. Yeah. Ahab again. You have to learn you have to learn to use your authority responsibly because God can take it away. Did you have your hand up? Isaac, did you have your hand up before? No, okay. I I miss I mistook that. Yeah. Naboth. Okay. This is an interesting character. Okay, now now this this is an interesting lesson. So he says, if somebody, even somebody in authority over you, tells you to do something that you shouldn't do, you still shouldn't do it, right? That's a that one relies on us having read the Bible in other places. We wouldn't think anything of selling our property today, right? But actually, there's something important that you have to know from the history of Israel, from the history of God's law that's been given to the people, to know that there's a reason why Naboth says, the Lord forbid me that I would give up the inheritance of my fathers. It's forbidden, actually. And it doesn't just lay that out again for you. You're expected to know God's law and to understand what it is that's forbidden. What's going on here? Any other lessons? Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful lesson. God will give justice to his righteous ones. What hope this gives us. How do we see that? Do we really see that? Are you sure you see that? Naboth is dead at the end, right? But God has not forgotten Naboth, has he? Everybody else is ready to move on. But God has not moved on. God has seen the suffering 
of his righteous one. And he acts to justify. Absolutely. Okay. Any, any last lessons? Yeah. Yeah. Don't covet. It's God's law is simple. The, the moment you covet, the, com, the, the, the whole world starts collapsing in, right? Caving in on, on our sins. Yeah. Okay, last, last call. Last call. Okay, now which sermon should I preach? <laughs> I mean, I could have just cut this chapter up, right? And had several sermons, but you can't cut the chapter up. It's one story. Okay. Well, the reason that I wanted us to see all of these lessons, and there's, there's even a few more that are a little bit hard to see, maybe some of them, a little bit deeper, require some more thought. I want us to contrast these characters. So I wanted us to think about all the characters. I want us to see all the things that we see, that we learn. And the first is, yes, just Ahab. Oh, man. He got something in his mind that he wanted, right? He wanted a garden next to his palace, beautiful place for it. He could just, when he was stressed after a day of ruling and making judgments, he could go out and he could relax in his garden and do some pruning and some weeding and just enjoy the flowers and maybe harvest some vegetables. It would just be, it would be good, it would be pleasant, it would, it would be good for the kingdom, right? For the king to have... A, a, a way to release the strain and the stress of the day, to relax after the hard work. How often do you get things in your mind that you want? And when you try to get it, you find out you can't get it. You just can't have it. It might be something big. I mean, a vineyard is... Substantial, right? That's pretty big. It might be something small. Like this morning at breakfast, Peter wanted more eggs. There were no more eggs. How often do we have things that we want? And the answer is just no. There's no more. And you, at that point, you've got a choice, right? You can pout, like Ahab, or you can accept it and be content. So, the opposite of coveting is contentment. Right? Contentment. Ahab wanted Naboth to give up his inheritance for money. This was against God's law, and Naboth rightly refuses. It's forbidden him. Ahab was so jealous of Naboth. 
Have you guys ever heard the uh, Tom Petty song? It's good to be king. Have your own way. It's good to be king. Whatever it takes. Sweet little queen can't run away. It's good to be king in your own little way. You guys know that song? Makes you think of this story, at least does me, you know. Because what does, what does Ahab not quite get? That he's king. That's what Jezebel sees. You're king. But even a king has things he can't get. Even a king has things that he can't have. You think, like Tom Petty, that it would be good if you were king. That you could just have things your own way, right? Isn't that the way we think? You know, if I was just, if I was just in charge, I could, do, I could set everything right so that I could get what I wanted in this life. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how high you go up the ladder. You get to the top and you find there's still stuff to be jealous of. There's still stuff to covet. There's still stuff that you want that you can't have. And Ahab discovers that here, doesn't he? And Ahab, even though he's king, he wanted what another man had. How easy it is to become jealous and covetous and to seek to take what is not ours for our own. Ahab is not alone in this as king. As a matter of fact, there was a man after God's own heart who acted similarly as king, taking what was not rightfully his. What no man has the right to give away. The wife of his faithful soldier, bodyguard, protector, man with him through thick and thin, Uriah the Hittite. And even has him killed the same way that Ahab and Jezebel have Naboth killed to get what he wants. Why is David so different from Ahab? Do you feel the similarity or do you feel, ah, oh, it was different, you know, he, he fell into sin. Oh, how? Well, you know, he saw her and then he spent time with her and pretty soon, you know, they fell in love with each other. That just happens. Ahab had no plan to kill Naboth. He fell into sin in a way that's also very easy for us to understand. His wife set things up for him, helped him, arranged it for him. He didn't even have to sign the letters himself. It's not even clear he knew about it, what she was doing.
Well, Ahab, the jealous, covetous, wicked king, before he gets what he wants, he's pouting. Now, I want to talk to you about pouting. When you find there's something that you want that you can't get, do you pout? Should you pout? Does pouting help? Ahab pouts so much he refuses even to eat or to get out of bed. What do you do when you pout? How do you pout? I don't think pouting is pouting until other people can tell. Uh, until other people can see it somehow, right? Like it, the whole point of pouting is to express your displeasure with life. You, the whole point of pouting is to make other people feel bad for you, to make other people suffer along with you. You can be angry purely internally. And it'll leak out, yes. But pouting, we, it doesn't matter how much we think we can hide it off to the side. Like, oh, I'm not actually pouting. When other people see, other people notice, other people are affected by your pouting. And Ahab, Ahab has a glorious pout. He's not eating. Everybody can see. All his servants know he's not eating. He's not happy. The king is displeased. We want the king to be happy. We don't like it when the king is mad. It's dangerous to have an angry king around, a hungry king, a hangry king, right? Nobody wants that. And so, maybe some of them go to Jezebel. Maybe Jezebel already has noticed it herself. Is there anything we can do? Yes, there's something we can do. Let's find out what he's pouting about. Well, let's fix it. Jezebel despises Ahab for his weakness. And he is weak, isn't he? He is weak. But his weakness was the last thing he had going for him. Crazy, huh? That weakness could be the thing that keeps you from falling further into sin. But he's not doing anything except pouting. He could have already taken care of this problem if he was as wicked and scheming and pernicious as his wife Jezebel was. If he was just that much more corrupt in terms of what it meant to be king, to have your own way. Is that what it means to be king? Is that what Jesus did as king? Made sure he got his own way. No, he made sure that God's will was done. His father who sent him. And that's what every king is required to do. Every father is required to do to make sure that our heavenly father's will is done. And Jezebel has it exactly opposite. 
And so here's a, here's a lesson that I want you all to see. Discontentment, covetousness, jealousy, these are the things that we saw in Ahab, right? These leave you weak and vulnerable to manipulation by others. His weakness was the last thing he had going for him, keeping him from being even more wicked, right? But his weakness was also his undoing in allowing Jezebel to manipulate, in allowing Jezebel to turn him into a murderer. So if you are discontent, if you are refusing to be pleased with what God has given you, but you're not actually stealing, you're not actually being wicked, watch out. Somebody will come along who will say, I can get you what you want. I can get you what you want. And you know what? You know what will happen then? You'll lose all your money in FTX. That's what will happen then. Manipulators. That, that's what that man. What's his name? Sam Bankman. Last name, Sam Bankman. What's his first name? Oh, Freed. Sam Bankman Freed. Yeah. What is he? He's just as scheming, manipulating, and wicked as Jezebel, isn't he? And what did he do? He took everybody's money and said, oh yeah, I'll give you lots more money. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect, perfect scheme. Everybody will get rich. And many, many people were tricked. Now they have nothing. Now, I'm not trying to make everybody who had money in FTX into uh, a discontent, jealous man. Okay. But get rich quick schemes are always about manipulators. Tricking people who are discontent, right? Using your discontentment as your vulnerability. They know how to get to you. It's because you are not content that they can get to you. That's it. There are other ways they can get to you. If they can get to you through fear, they can get to you in very... But, but boy, is discontentment one of the most powerful Ways to be had. And that's how Ahab is had by Jezebel. His discontentment. His weakness is his jealousy. It's what makes him vulnerable. And Jezebel, oh, wicked Jezebel. It's a funny thing today how quick we are to blame men for the things women do, isn't it? Think about it. 
Here we see the wickedness of a particular woman who is a moral agent. She is fully in control of herself. She is fully responsible for what she does. And God treats her that way. And Ahab is still responsible for what she did, isn't he? Men and women are both moral agents, making their own decisions, bearing the responsibility of their own sins, receiving the reward that is due their deeds, whether good or bad. Jezebel uses other people in this story, not just Ahab. She uses the princes, she uses the worthless men to bring accusations against Naboth. And isn't it interesting, this is just how Jesus suffered. Schemers plotting and saying, let's find some wicked men to bring accusations against him. And yet in the end, God vindicates Naboth. Though Naboth is dead, God vindicates him. Naboth is not forgotten. This was a man who resisted the wicked and suffered the ultimate price for him. Nobody stood up against Jezebel. Nobody stood up against Ahab. None of the princes stepped in. Nobody stood in the way. But God has not forgotten Naboth. God has not forgotten Naboth. And this is where we are so tempted to think, what's the point, God? Why did you wait? Why wait so long? It's too late. It's pointless now. Why step in after the fact? It's over. The story ended. The good guy's lost. Naboth is dead. The vineyard's gone. The inheritance is taken. There's nothing left. How often are we tempted to view the world that way? This life is all there is. That's the way of that, that that's viewing it, right? This life is all there is. And so in the Psalms, we read, how can you say to my soul, fly, there's no help for the righteous. Why does the psalmist say, how can you say to my soul, there's no help for the righteous? Because he knows there's help for the righteous. Even when the righteous are slaughtered. Even when they are suffering the persecution under the ultimate power of the day. Whether that's Ahab and Jezebel, oh what a wicked pair. 
whether that's Nero burning Christians as torches in his gardens or throwing them to the lions or before the gladiators to be executed, to be torn, mangled. The Bible is full of the promise that God vindicates the righteous. Has he forgotten? You can get all the way to the end of the Bible and you might still say, yeah, I think God's forgotten. We're still here suffering under wicked rulers. We're still here suffering under politicians that don't care for the people but care only for how they can get what they want. We're still suffering under powerful, rich men. who can buy whatever they want and there's no way anybody can stand in their way. And they can take your property. How wicked. And they can take your family. How wicked. And they refuse justice. They refuse to give justice to the woman whose husband is abusing her. They refuse to give justice to the man whose wife is committing adultery and who flees from her family and her responsibility, who hates God's law, rejects her vows. And what do the, what do the courts care? What, do this, what does the judge do? Nothing. As a matter of fact, he says, pay her. Where is the righteousness? Where is the justice in this world? Has God forgotten? You come to Revelation. And in Revelation... The saints, 144,000 of them, those who died for their faith, people of whom the world was not worthy, as we read in Hebrews, sawn in two for obedience to God. You know Naboth. God has not forgotten him. And he will not forget us. And today those saints sitting beneath the throne, they cry out, How long, God, will you wait to vindicate us? It's still coming. We only see a little picture of it here with the judgment on Ahab and Jezebel. But what a picture it is. Their blood will be spilled. The dogs will lick it up. The dogs will eat the body. The line will be cut off. The wicked will be no more. This is the promise of God to his people. This is the promise of God 
to the wicked. This is the warning to us. Repent or you will all likewise perish. And so, Ahab, who, how can we forget? Surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. He acted very abominably in following idols, according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. And how does Ahab respond when he hears the judgment of God on his wickedness? The man who, there was nobody like him. How wicked he was. It came about when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted and he lay in sackcloth and went about despondently. Now let me ask you something. Do you see the difference between that and pouting? He's not eating. He's lying in bed. He's making it clear to everybody how unhappy he is. Sackcloth. Demonstrating to everybody his misery. What is the difference between repenting and pouting? From the outside, it can look pretty similar. But nobody doubts the difference, do they? Pouting says, I want. I want. And repentance says, I was awful. I was awful. It's easy to see the difference, isn't it? I was so awful, I can't eat. I won't eat. I will confess my sins. I will go to the Lord. Perhaps he may be merciful. Listen, if the king of Israel, Ahab, wicked, wicked husband to terrible Jezebel, who never stopped her shedding of blood, who went along with every wicked scheme she had, if he can respond with some semblance of true repentance such that God has mercy on him, will God not have mercy on you? If the king that Jonah spoke to, if King Nebuchadnezzar, if King David can be forgiven, there is repentance, there is faith, there is forgiveness if you will turn to God. Not to pout, but to confess. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are merciful to those who humble themselves before you and who repent. Father, though our sins are great, we trust that the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to pay the full penalty that our sins deserve.
And so we put our hope, our trust, our faith in him for our salvation. For we know our sins are as scarlet. Now, Father, wash us whiter than snow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.